I'm Don Fox, Fox Farms in Angleton, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Time for another edition of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me, buckle up, and let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we continue our look at improving competition in the packing industry. The Biden administration announced several initiatives this week aimed to do just that. We'll take a closer look coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. The first biotech trait to protect cotton from thrips will have expanded acres in Texas in 2022. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag today. A lot of decisions are being made by Texas High Plains producers right now, such as what to do with herd management and what crops to plant this spring. They also have some financial matters to consider. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag today. The U.S. Supreme Court is considering a petition challenging California's Proposition 12. I'm Gary Joyner, and I'll have those details on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The Biden administration is committing over $1 billion to address a lack of competition in the meatpacking industry. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack breaks down the spending. $100 million is going to be utilized to reduce the cost of inspections for existing small and very small processing facilities. $32 million in grants were awarded to 167 existing facilities to modernize their operations, to allow them to expand their uh, opportunities beyond the state border uh, to engage in interstate commerce. $100 million in available loan guarantees to address the middle-level supply chain challenges that this industry faces, from cold storage, warehousing, and also allowing these facilities to expand their operations as well. We believe this $100 million will leverage nearly a billion dollars of investment. And another $375 million will be spent to expand current small packing facilities and build new ones. That's a move that is welcome, according to Brady Miller of the Texas Cattle Feeders Association. Yes, they're going to throw some money at it, but I think it's not a bad thing, and it's going to help us bring some more capacity into the industry which is what we need if we want to continue to increase our consumption and exports and the cow herd and the cow-calf guy continue to thrive for generations to come. And Miller says that money is already being spent. Out of the billion dollars, they've already given, I think, about $150 million of that has already been designated to about 15 individual companies or entities that are building or going to build a medium or small type packing plant. 
But even if you build or expand current packing facilities, finding the additional workers needed to run them is another challenge. Secretary Vilsack says they're funding efforts to address that issue. $100 million of this resource is going to be used to support and to create a pipeline of well-trained and experienced workers so that we can expand this workforce in rural America. These will be good-paying jobs uh, that will support families and also support farm families. Other funding will go to technical innovation and research to make small and mid-sized packing plants more efficient. Cotton farmers will have some new technology to fight thrips in cotton fields. Tom Nicoletti has the details. My guest today is Tim Dabbert. He is a cotton traits manager with Bear Crop Science and Delta Pine, and uh, he uh, recently uh, gave an update on the first biotech trait uh, to protect cotton from thrips. Tim, the cotton farmers in Texas uh, have those issues and challenges, and how does this technology uh, thrive on helping them? This technology is really going to help them on their entire system from a thrips perspective. The studies that we've done and, and talking with some of the consultants and academic entomologists we've shown that with this technology we can reduce the amount of sprays that we have for thrips. It's also going to allow that plant to be healthier, start off a lot better. We are looking at some other aspects of overall plant health and root development, but from the standpoint of thrips protection, it's going to protect it from the thrips and it's also going to allow for a lot more management flexibility. And 2021 was the first year uh, commercially that Thrivon was available to cotton farmers. That is correct. So in 2021, we had our what we call our stewarded groundbreakers program. And so we enlisted 87 growers across the U.S. cotton belt to try this technology out. And the main goal of it was to evaluate that technology and get their feedback on how it actually worked on their farm and in their cropping system. Now, Thrivon uh, technology good for irrigated as well as dryland uh, cotton crops? So it, it doesn't matter as long as you have areas with, with pressure. It's going to work. What type of damage can be sustained from thrips in a cotton field? In extreme high pressures, you can have seedling death. It'll actually knock the terminal out and that plant can die if you have too high a pressure. With 2022, we want to expand the acres we have in our groundbreakers. So we're doing another stewarded year of groundbreakers, but we're trying to increase the acres that we have. We will add into West Texas and Texas in general. That is Tim Dabbert with Delta Pine. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A lot of decisions are being made by Texas High Plains producers right now, and James Hunt tells us there are also some financial matters to consider. Federal Reserve policymakers have indicated interest rate hikes are coming soon, and Texas A&M AgriLife economist Justin Benavidez advises ag producers to be prepared, even though the increases are not expected to be monumental. The important thing to remember is that three quarter point interest rate hikes still leaves us at about 1% benchmark rate. And so that's still a really low interest rate. But if anyone is thinking about refinancing or financing a new purchase, I would say get that done earlier rather than later because that benchmark rate probably will change in the first quarter of 2022. And it takes a little bit for those rates to flow through the economy, but anything you're thinking about refinancing or, or purchasing, it'd probably be good to get that done sooner rather than later. On another subject, Dr. Benavides also reminds us that January 30th is the deadline to apply for the Livestock Forage Program. Pretty much every county in the Panhandle and most of the counties in western Texas are going to qualify for some kind of LFP payment. So if you haven't applied and you haven't collected the paperwork you need to do that, I highly recommend you doing it because if you don't apply for that program, 
you're leaving essentially free money on the table. Meanwhile, farmers have a March 15th deadline for deciding which USDA risk management program to go with, price loss coverage or agriculture risk coverage. To help you with that choice, there's an online tool being offered by Texas A&M's Agricultural and Food Policy Center. The 2022 ARC PLC Decision Aid is now available on the center's website, afpc.tamu.edu. That's afpc.tamu.edu. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The United States Supreme Court may take a look at a California law that affects pork producers here in Texas and across the country. Gary Joyner has more. The U.S. Supreme Court on January 7th will consider a petition from the American Farm Bureau Federation and the National Pork Producers Council challenging California's Proposition 12. The proposition bans the sale of pork from hogs raised anywhere that don't meet the state's arbitrary production standards. Studies estimate the new standards will raise production costs about $13 a pig. Only 4% of hog operations nationwide currently comply with the new law. Bacon prices could jump 60% in California. The petition asked the Supreme Court to consider the constitutionality of one state imposing regulations that reach far outside its borders and stifle interstate and international commerce. Generally, the Commerce Clause grants Congress the power to regulate trade among the states and restricts states from regulating commerce outside its borders, except for matters related to public health and safety. Small family farms well beyond California's borders will be hit hardest. They are forced to make expensive and unnecessary changes to their farms, and this will lead to more consolidation in the pork industry and higher prices at the grocery store. The new law applies to any uncooked pork sold in the state, whether produced there or outside its borders. To continue selling pork to the 40 million consumers who live in California, which represents about 15% of the U.S. pork market, pork producers would need to switch to alternative sow housing systems. Industry estimates for converting sow barns or building new ones to meet the Proposition 12 standards are in the billions of dollars. Every family in America will ultimately pay the price for Proposition 12 if the new law is not struck down. I'm Gary Joyner for Texas Ag Today. The benefits of prescribed burning for wildlife. I'm Tom Nicoletti and I'll have those habitat improvement details on Texas Ag Today. And parvo is a devastating disease in dogs and it's very expensive to treat. Dr. Bob Judd takes a closer look at that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com for an agent you can trust with life's most important decisions. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Parvo is a very devastating disease in dogs, and it's very expensive to treat. 
Dr. Bob Judd says some new studies are looking at a lower-cost treatment. Parvo is a dreaded disease in dogs because the fatality rate is very high. However, with appropriate treatment that includes intravenous fluids and hospitalization, the survival rate is reported to be around 90%. However, with appropriate treatment that includes intravenous fluids and hospitalization, the survival rate is reported to be around 90% in a study published in Veterinary Practice News. I do not believe the survival rate is quite that high, at least in my experience, and a lot depends on the puppy's age and immunity or lack thereof to the virus. Regardless, aggressive treatment is successful in many cases, but is expensive, as 24-hour care on IV fluids is recommended. Unfortunately, all clients cannot afford this level of care, and some studies have been performed looking at reduced-cost care, and have found that some puppies will survive the disease without going in the hospital and can be treated on an outpatient basis. It is important to understand that this less expensive treatment is not the best medical recommendation, but some patients will survive. It was found in one small study that the survival rate with the less expensive treatment was around 75%. And again, this was a small study, and the reality is likely not that good, but still acceptable in some situations. The less expensive treatment involves giving the pet fluids under the skin daily to prevent dehydration instead of intravenous fluids. It is effective in some cases, and the pet can go home and be monitored by the owner instead of staying in the hospital. Pets can be sent home on antibiotics and medication to prevent vomiting and diarrhea. This treatment protocol gives a lot of puppies with parvo a chance at survival with less cost to the owner. I'm Dr. Bob Judd, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Prescribed burning can have a beneficial effect on Texas wildlife. Tom Nicoletti has the story in today's Wildlife Report. The winter season in Texas is a good time for landowners to consider improving wildlife habitat. Prescribed burning is one method of habitat improvement. Thomas Yankee is coordinating wildlife biologist and prescribed fire coordinator for quail forever. Fire comes into play as one of those great natural prescriptions or management tools available to us. As all biologists would say, it really depends on what your management goals are. If your goals may be to have an increase of your warm season grasses and really promoting grazing for livestock, typically those cool season burns or the burns happening after the freeze or the grass and vegetation is dormant, but prior to the spring green up is most beneficial. It kind of cleans out all that old material and does a nice ecological reset and just gives us some nice potash and, and nutrient load and basically natural fertilizer to those plants when they start growing in the spring. If by chance you're wanting to promote more of the forbs or the flowering plants or wheat, a late summer or fall burn tends to be more beneficial for those. So it's it's a way of one, creating a natural food plot going into hunting season, or it can be a way of really promoting your flowering plants for your pollinators, such as your monarch butterflies or bees or other things. And so fire can even be used as, as a way to control your brush. That is Quail Forever's Thomas Yankee. Quail Forever's mission is to conserve quail, pheasants, and other wildlife through habitat improvements, public access, education, and conservation advocacy. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. It has been an up and down week for the cattle market so far, so how did things wrap up on Wednesday? Jessica will be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today.
We're back looking at another lopsided matchup, Jim. Today we have a combine taking on a train. Yeah, that heavy train is about a thousand times heavier than the combine. No competition there. Right, especially given that it'll take at least a mile to stop that train. That's 18 football fields. It's no contest. Every day people are injured or killed trying to beat a train at rail crossings. See tracks, think train. This message brought to you by Operation Lifesaver. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Gains that we saw in the grain markets on Tuesday led the cattle markets to close lower on Wednesday. February live cattle down 57 cents at the close to 137.25. April live cattle down 72 cents to 141.95. June live cattle down 40 cents to 137.25. January feeder cattle down 55 cents to 162.12. March feeder cattle down 17 cents to 167.17. April feeder cattle were even to 169.77. Box beef traded higher on Wednesday. Choice up 65 cents to 267.47. Select up $1.16 to 260.39. Now let's check those livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. When you hear auctioneer Troy sell that calf, he sold them over at a hundo at Union Commission Hundo Livestock on Monday. Seth Crane, owner-operator, how'd it go? Oh, ended up pretty good, Larry. A little bit of cold weather, had uh, right under 200 head of cattle, a little light to start the first sale of the year, but the market pretty good. Probably had somewhere around 30 cows on the day. Uh, Packer cows pretty well steady with what they were three weeks ago. 71 on our top cow, down to 39 cents on those lower yielding type cows. Uh, They did put a little bit of money on bulls. Uh, dollar bill on a really top bull. Most of those bulls kind of bring in the, oh, somewhere around 90 to the mid 90s, somewhere right there, lower end of the bulls, anywhere from, oh, 45 up to 70, you know, 75 or so. Had one pair at 875 today and a few bread cows from uh, $550 up to 850 As far as that Kef and Yerlin market, pretty well steady with what we've been seeing. Uh, Might have been a tick higher on some of those heifers, a little bit of a push on what we had. Uh, So, uh, sure, a pretty good market on the number one end of the calves and uh, still got to be a a real good one to do it. But uh, I thought the market was really good on them today. Uh, Looking forward to next week. Did have a freeze around, so I'm betting we're going to have a little better run next week. In the meantime, if you need anything, feel free to holler at us at 830-741-8061. Get me on my cell phone, 210-288-3960. And for updates and information, visit us on Facebook or hondolivestock.com. Seth, thanks for being on Walking the Pens, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. I put it together, and we appreciate you listening, and we'll see you tomorrow. Good day. All right. Thank you, Larry. Lean Hogs rallied on Wednesday thanks to some substantial support. February lean hogs up $2.12 to $82.27. April lean hogs up $1.67 to $88.67. DTN's reporting that pork cutout is higher, cash prices are higher, and the futures markets are confident. Block cheese was up a nickel to $2.06 Wednesday. Barrel cheese was up seven and a quarter cents. That led class three milk to close mixed. January class three milk down 13 cents to 2062. February class three milk up 53 cents to 2232 a hundredweight. 
The cotton markets consolidated Wednesday after several sessions of closing higher. March cotton down 11 points to 116.28. May cotton down 4 points to 113.61. December cotton up 28 points to 94.30. After jumping 20 cents on Tuesday, corn closed lower on Wednesday. March corn down 7 and a quarter to 602 and a quarter. May corn down six and three quarters to six o two and three quarters. September corn down four and a half to five sixty seven and a half. Analysts say traders are watching the forecast for Brazil, Argentina, and other major corn growing nations in South America to see if any rain is in the forecast that may help alleviate the drought conditions they're seeing now. That drought, of course, will impact the next crop if they don't get any rain anytime soon. March hard red wheat down 17 to 787. May hard red wheat down 16 and a quarter to 788 and a half. July hard red wheat down 14 and a half to 787. January soybeans were up five and a half Wednesday to 1384 and a quarter. November soybeans up 21 and three quarters to 1234. February natural gas up 14 cents Wednesday to 385. March natural gas up 10 cents to 368. Despite an announcement from OPEC Plus on Tuesday that it will move forward with the planned production increases in the coming weeks, oil closed higher on Wednesday. February crude oil up 45 cents to 77.44. March crude oil up 32 cents to 77.06. Analysts say that increase comes despite global concerns about COVID and how that could possibly impact demand moving forward. Now let's take a look at our financial markets. The Dow down 248 to 36,551. The S&P 500 down 69 to 4,723. The Nasdaq down 434 to 15,181. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Thank you for joining us. We hope you join us for our next episode for the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domel, and I hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.